Hey there, and welcome to our East Coast Church podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church and who we are, head to our website, eastcoast.org.au. From wherever you are listening right now, we hope that the content in this podcast blesses you. Well, welcome to East Coast Podcast. We have our very special guest, the Pastor Murray Newman, um, all the way from Avoca Beach. Yes. Uh, The very new senior pastor. Very new. Yes, of like a week. Three days. Three days. How's it been? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been good so far. So far. I don't know my church. It's all out there in cyberspace and yeah. streaming. So it's an interesting journey for us. What a, what great timing as to transitioning a church. Perfect, perfect timing. <laughs> Only... <laughs> Only Murray Newman could do that now. That's right. And your church is In Life Church. In Life Church, yes. I love it. And um, if for those who don't know Pastor Murray, we've known Pastor Murray for years. Yes. And years, um, incredible prophetic ministry, um, life-giving ministry, encounter life ministries is you've had that going for how many years, travelling oh, around? Yeah, f- nearly four years, nearly five, yeah, yeah, doing that, yeah. Yeah, and particularly the last couple of years you've been going all over the world. So yeah, you're it's in been high very demand. busy. It's yeah. been hard to lock you down. Yeah. <laughs> but now the world's shut down. I could get you today, yeah. Murray. Yeah, so all, all our traveling has been postponed for a while anyway. Well, yeah. it's backing up towards the end of the year. Yeah. But, yeah, it's part of what I believe the future is for us. Anyway, in churches now, I always believe that that's what we were going to do and I was always believing that Sunday was not going to be the focus for everyone. Yeah. So it's made me look good. Mm. And it's true, we've felt that and it's a temptation to really focus on Sunday Um, and you've known our background, which is really Pastor Mark um, made a focus on small groups and that has been a huge thing for us of our DNA at East Coast Uh, and what I love about what you do, Murray, is discipleship Yes, and that's really your DNA is discipling people in faith context and even outside, like people may not know, but you'll go into workspaces, medical practices, yeah, and they'll have you do team building, um, and and it's discipleship, really. It's discipleship, yeah. You know, we've said it for a long time. You know, the gospel, the message never changed, but the tools and the method of, of doing that. And I think a lot of people. I always remember that the disciples were not believers when Jesus started working mm. with them. They had a religious concept. They knew who God was, but they definitely didn't know who Jesus was. So my, when I go into corporate settings, that's what I go like, believing yeah. that these people are disciples. They're just not saved yet. So I bring them on the journey. And I don't disguise who I like. I'm introduced as Pastor Mars yeah. to them. And I'm yet to have pushback. In fact, all I get is buy-in, especially mm. when you bring the real freedom and joy of what the life of Jesus brings. Yeah. So it's like, how's life working for you without Jesus? Because I'm going to demonstrate to you what life is like with him. Yeah, that's right. And it's funny that you say that about the disciples because we, I just heard someone recently, they asked the question, when did they become Christians? Yes. You know, and everyone gives this different answer because we don't know that exact moment and everybody's journey looks different. That discipleship journey of when they start to walk with Jesus and that aha uh-huh moment yeah, yeah. comes at different times for people. Yeah, yeah, so I've long believed that, you know, Jesus said go, 
And so there's a big there's a big gap between where people are at, say, out of church to being in church. Mm. And now the building now no longer is the focal point. So now yeah. our neighbours, our families, we're now integrating with them. And discipleship to me is creating the journey for people to encounter Jesus, continue to encounter, encounter Jesus, and then showing others how to encounter Jesus. Yeah. As a lifestyle. And, though, and you'll have people. So I'm always um, discipling a new Christian and then I disciple like senior pastors. Yeah. So I try to have in my world the whole journey, you know, so that um, and trying to demonstrate that that should be normal. Not, not that that's... It's not just a Pastor Murray thing. And no. that's what we really, a lifestyle of discipleship that's in Felix and my heart is yes. for the whole church. And for that, you know, you're running a business, you have a lifestyle of discipleship, you're discipling your workers, yeah. you disciple those that are around you. Yeah. And I do think taking away Sunday gathering with this whole COVID thing has just, it's been good to just stretch people's thinking and to just, you can't rely on me going to church on a Sunday doesn't define my Christianity and you've got to dig deep and figure out what, what does define, you know, my yeah, walk Yeah, what does Jesus. a Christian look like yeah. now in these seasons? So it's no longer they attend church. They yeah. actually – and you see it, pastors are saying everywhere, we, we are the church. Now, we've mm-hmm. said that for years. It's not a building. It's the people. Well, now that's the case. Yeah. You know, and I don't think the church will look the same after no, COVID-19. Agreed. Yeah. Do you know, which is great. Mm. Because God is always up to something. God doesn't waste anything. Now, I'm not saying the suffering and the things that have happened to people, people losing work and all those, but we have to take advantage of that in a sense of there's need, different needs that have before, and now we are we have both the opportunity to help people that are suffering and also to go through the suffering ourselves yeah. in a different way because there will be believers that have lost work, yeah. uh, lost money, lost loved ones, mm-hmm. and maybe are even sick themselves right now. Um, so it's also a, a great opportunity for the church to actually get a rediscover, which is part of discipleship, of how to do suffering. Yes. Which in the West we're not that great at. We're not great we're at. We're not good at. And even in Pentecostal streams, you know, just really almost rejecting that, which it is a part of, like it is a part of a discipleship journey, isn't yeah. it, is suffering. Oh, and, it's, it's yeah. definitely part of it. Yeah. And uh, we, I think uh, we've tried to present a Christianity that is problem-free. Yeah. Um, but that's just not real. Like even Jesus did mm. not demonstrate or have the life of that. Paul doesn't demonstrate, uh, give the example. Peter doesn't. None of them do. Moses doesn't. Old Testament, right the way through, um, there's always an issue. Mm. There's always a problem. There's always some sort of suffering in that. And we go into denial in that instead of saying, wow, this will actually, if I embrace this and see what the message is inside Mm. of this, what is God saying to me in this, in this time? What is he trying to reveal something about himself to me? that I would never see in that. And the problem is we wouldn't pray or seek God if we didn't have problems or suffering. Yes. I'd like to say we do, we would, but I've, I've yet to find... Sometimes the best person to pray for you is someone who's going through stuff. Mm. Not necessarily the person that is seemingly problem-free. Yeah. Because we think, oh, they have such victory. 
It's actually the person that has faced many challenges and even has pain right now because they will be pressing in. Mm. I call it like a deep well, those seasons that I've been through. It's like that digging. (laughs) It's the digging process, but it then just causes this stream of living water to come from that deep well But I I see the basis of the appeal of a problem-free life, you know. (laughs) understand why people have seek that out because it sounds better um, and it seems more appealing to avoid pain. But I know from all of my pain that has been my greatest learning curve. It's interesting. Even that statement is a very interesting one. Both sides of that because if you look at – see, we think heaven, problem-free. But heaven had betrayal and rebellion and pride in it. Mm. So we think it's some sort of utopia when actually there's still choice, there's still things like that going on in that realm. Yeah. So, but actually true character. Character is actually what do you do when things are tough? Mm. What do you do? That's the revealing of character. Yes. Anybody can do it easy. Jesus says it's easy to love people that love you. Yeah. But to love the unlovable and mm. to even allow the unlovable to love you is another world, is another yeah. place you have to live from to do that. Yeah, and I think in this season it's not going to be the abs- like the lack of problems in your own life. It's going to be how you live through that. That's going to be the witness, isn't it? That's the witness. That's the witness. Like I even was thanking God as I was driving here this morning because we had a rough morning <laughs> with the kids and homeschooling sure, and all of that crazy. pressure and two parents trying to work full time. And then I thought, oh, thank God that I understand like what these other families are facing and I thank God for that level of pressure we are facing yeah. so that I can relate and then just, you know, show them faith and show them Jesus in amongst that from that place of understanding. Yeah, exactly, because mm. it's like I, I almost – it drives me up the world of like uh, you have no idea. You have mm. people say that, oh, mm. you've got no idea, when actually I do. Yeah. And when you can actually say, woo-woo, I do know what that's like to have pain, have loss – have lived through sickness, yeah. lived through financial pressure, lived through lack. It's like Paul says, says I've learnt the secret. He doesn't let know what the secret is because mm. you've got to find that out yourself, yeah. how to live in plenty and how to live without. You have to – both of those are a test mm. of your – not just your character but your spirituality, your walk with God, uh, your joy. All those sorts of things reveal so – um, it's a great time for the church now. Yeah. It, it's an interesting time for the world, but it's a great time for us to really step up and and show the world that, you know, amazing what that what our God, how he manifests his life in us in these sort of circumstances. Yeah. And that's really, I guess, why I wanted you to come in and do this series of podcasts is talk about that journey for ourselves individually yes. and just um, for you to speak into that process. Like, and people at home perhaps have things have come to the surface within themselves, you know, in this space. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about identity yes. as a part of one of the focuses that you do when discipling people. Do you want yeah. to jump into? Yeah, because one of the biggest things that drives us, and it's a huge question yeah. even in a society today, is who am I? Now, God was able, when Moses says, who are you? He says, I am. And we have to actually be able to say that. I, I'm, this is Muz. This is what I am like. This is uh, 
if I was to describe myself. Now, this is there's two different part, uh, two poet forms I want to look at this because when you look at um, we are orient we get orientated if you like. I know where I am, you know. So if I'm lost, I don't know where I am. The same as my identity gets confused if I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. So I get my bearings from my surroundings. So I'm lost because I've lost my bearings. I don't know where I am. And unfortunately, until you get your bearings, you'll stay lost. So all of us have some sort of, which is, if, if you like, have an identity, but whether it's true or not is yeah. the big thing. So we'll identify, and often so people will identify with certain groups simply mm. because, oh, I can connect with that. I know how to fit into that. Mm. And because we have this, what literally drives our identity is the need to belong. Mm. So, um, and that can come in all sorts of different forms according to, if you like, my temperament. So one of the ways, even when I disciple people, we put them through a test through um, or a quiz which I get from Abiding Life, Dr. Ray Andrews, Mm. amazing discipler, done over 20 years with him. Um, and got amazing tools. Mm. Look him up, Abiding Life Ministries, get onto it. Now, I've used those tools. So one of those tools is a unique self-test. I did that. You did, you've done the unique self-test. Amazing. Very simple test and really what it does, we, it looks at the theology or the understanding of the triune man, the three parts of man, which is our body, our soul and our spirit. And then, it, and then again within those, our body has kind of three elements to it. We have our physical part of us, we have our senses, and we have our appetites, okay? And then we have our soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions. And then we have our spirit, which has intuition, conscience, and communion. Now, if you not wanting to get too complicated, but if you, if you were to look at it, our brain... Our brain is the body part of our mind. So our brain is the mind of our body. So when it controls things, it's making sure my heart beats, um, I take breaths, and I do that automatically. Now, looking at my mind, if you like, is the brain of my soul. So it operates and is operating all the time, thinking. It Mm. is thinking all the time. And then if you look at my spirit, my conscience is the brain or the mind of my spirit. You know, when Jesus, Jesus was talking, you know, they brought the woman caught in adultery and then Jesus, you know, they want him to judge her. And he says, he is without sin, cast the first stone. And the Bible says that they were convicted in their conscience. Mm-hmm. So at a deep level, at a deep level, they went, oh. Not just their mind, nor their brain, but at a deeper level, mm. they were convicted mm. and weren't able to throw the stones. So when I start to work with a person, we do that test. And the test has about 9,000 different variations. And it looks at our soul, mm. which is kind of like our operating system. So am I more of a cognitive, a thinking person, like my, more mindful, so mm. a thinker? Am I more willful, a doer, or am I more emotionally uh, driven, mm. which makes me a feeler? 
I bet you'll think you can pick up I'm a thinker, can't you? Oh, yeah, I'd say there's all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a classic feeler. Oh, my goodness. We could put yeah. you in a glass box and take yes. you around. Which is very interesting with the uh, social dif- distancing for feelers. Oh, it's hey, rough. It's rough. You can't <laughs> hug anyone. No one can hug you. Yeah, I just hug the dog 24-7. <laughs> Felix is sick of hugging me all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's like a bottomless yeah. pick of hugs. Mm, mm. But see, even even for someone like you, it's interesting. See, so understanding that, okay, Lou, this is how you operate. You're a feeler. Mm. So acceptance is a huge driver within you. Yeah. Attention is a huge driver. Like why do you wear, you know, your clothes? Leopard print. <laughs> Your what? Leopard print. Your leopard, leopard prints. Print Why is the leopard prints? Why don't you just yeah. dress dowdy? Because no, 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 no. You want to bring flavour and spice the world. So social interaction actually energises mm-hmm. you. All those sorts of things. Now, you think when I'm born hardwired with that kind of a soul and then put in, then orientated by different messages that you are given. Mm. So when you look at, Building, so you're particularly say a feeler's identity is driven by the need for acceptance, the need for accept for attention, the need for social interaction, the need for um, see the world relationally, mm-hmm. and so therefore imagine at in an early life, little Lou figures out what does she need to get attention. Now, it can take two ways. Either you be a naughty girl Mm. and you get lots of attention or you be a good girl and you get lots of attention. Was that a question? Yeah. (laughs) That would be the question. Well, that's right. And you do see it like as a young girl, I would say people-pleasing then is a huge outcome of that temperament. And then... But for a different reason. Yeah, yeah, and knowing that you have those needs. And I think doing this unique self helped me navigate those base reactions and why, you know. Yes. And, and, and even when I – what really jumped out to me, I can't remember what blend I was under stress, but what it identified with how I behave under stress really helped me think – I feel like taking a nap or I'm feeling avoidant, you know, so I'll want to like potter and do things to to distract myself, procrastinate under stress. So now I'll sense myself doing it and think, do I, am I doing this because I'm under stress and do I need to push through that, you know, or I'll do it to just give myself some space. It's helped me a lot understanding these things. Even in your language, you can hear it. Yeah. I feel I yes. feel. So you yeah. almost self-disclose yes. what your operating system yeah. is. And so in discipling people, it's like, Lou, you can't let your emotions rule you. Yes. Even though they're, they're a great strength to you, mm. they're a gift to you, but still you have to let the life of Jesus infiltrate that and go, you don't have to please people, mm. you know. Uh, in, in the message, Paul says this, it's amazing, he says, I thank the Lord that he has delivered me for the stifling environment of pleasing people. Because mm. st- it stifles us. It does. And to live to people will kill our faith, you know. But living to God increases it and actually makes us more useful, for whatever better word, yeah. or more even appealing to people when we're not people-pleasing. It's a, 
It's the oxymoron. It shows you that the, the way the kingdom works is opposite to what... Mm, upside down kingdom. It's upside down again. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that I don't love people, I don't care yeah. for people, but I don't live for people. I yeah. live for God. That's right. And that empowers me to do that. So mm. when you look at how an identity is formed is from those messages that I get given as, I, as I'm developing and finding out who I am, mm. read through the grid of my temperament. So if someone's listening at home, because obviously I've done it, but there's going to be lots of people that will be listening that would be thinking, you know, not relating yes. to the feeler. Is it something they can jump on and do themselves or do you need someone who's been trained in um, the... Abiding life. Abiding life, it would be, yeah. I think you can get online and do some stuff, um, but there is a lot of people in a lot of churches that do understand this yeah. or... I'm tentative to put my contacts out. Do you want to put your mobile number? No, I'm joking, yeah, yeah, joking. Yeah. But um, I'm sure that we could perhaps, or even while I say it, perhaps maybe put some stuff online for people yeah, to Yeah, and we can contact. dig a bit deeper, especially, you know, if you're listening out there in the East Coast world, um, which some people from our church, I think understanding this, it just helps. It helps you... Um, oh, my goodness. ...in your leadership... So marriage. it's not yet yeah, marriage, everything. And it's not a hindrance. Like I'm not afraid of my temperament that can function as a weakness if I let it. But if I'm just aware of it and then I say, well, I'm not going to respond. Obviously, people pleasing had to die running a church. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that had, that had that to worked. die. That yeah, dies. Yeah. yeah. But that's like a long time ago. I don't respond out of that. But I think you sense it creep up and you think, no. Yeah, that's that's that whole self-aware, mm. and there's that the, there's the healthy part of being self-aware, mm. but then there's the unhealthy part of being self-obsessed. Yeah, and you can't be that. You still need to be aware of what my drivers are, so that I'm getting. I always say when I'm discipling a person, I'm always want them to get full because really, what we would think as emotional needs, acceptance, attention, social interaction. If I put the Lord in top of that. Who accepts Lou the most? Jesus. True. Mm. And do you have to do anything for him? No. No? Can you see all these? Mm. So it's getting a person. You have these needs. Now you've gotten them met through all sorts of illegitimate ways. Mm. So discipling a person is showing that actually Jesus can meet overwhelmingly those spiritual needs is what they really are. So I've even, when I take, say, uh, I work with a company where no one is a believer and far from faith. The first time I met with these people, everybody had a hangover. Mm. And so that was a marketing company. So it was very funny. But as we started to speak and I talk about these emotional needs, that's how I introduce it, they're mm. like, that's so true. That's exactly yeah. you know, why I can see why I've built and how I operate. That's so true. But then they asked me the question, so how do you get them met? Well, okay, you've asked the question. Mm. I've enforced this. Well, I, I can understand this, that I know that you, you have to, because of your temperament, you have to people please. Mm. You have to um, form some sort of behaviour to get acceptance. Do you know either you, you misbehave or you overdo uh, it, yeah. overachieve? to get acceptance or you have to go out all the time to get social interaction. But for me, I live from all those places, 
not to them. Mm. And that's the difference for the believer. So discipling people is so, and you're not, you don't have to go out and get that. Yeah. You actually have a well inside of you, the life of Jesus. It's not out there. It's in here. And I guess just jumping on the back of that, some people who are listening, perhaps you've lost your job. You know, think about all these identity factors in this space right now. Yeah, not wanted, not valued, you not cared for. You can't socially interact. Like all of these things that would essentially at times be filling our identity where we go, you know, for yes. some people, what I'm invited to, am I being out and about or, or just that a lot of people finding their identity in their role and in their jobs. Yes, exactly. In their doing. In their doing. That this, exactly what you're talking about now, and if you're listening at home and you, you're feeling lost, it's probably, and perhaps believers as well, it's bringing to the surface you've not been finding your identity Yes, exactly. In Christ, yeah. Well, you'll find that um, the Lord organises life to disciple us mm. so that we start to get our identity in him, which is the big thing. Like yeah. Paul talks about it. It's the great mystery, Christ mm. in us, the hope of glory. Mm. So we have to um, start to really, that is either true or a complete fairy tale. Yeah. And it's true. It is true. It is true. So... When I get my identity started to sort out and I go that, wow, okay, I'm, my soul works like this and I'm valued. And so then I start to build an identity that isn't built on, if you like, two extremes of trying to, because what we often do as an identity, we put on a success suit Mm -hmm. because we're so driven by needing to belong. And so we have what we call is like the desired impression. When I walk into a room, my desire is that people would think this of me, mm. that I'm, you know, successful, I'm spiritual, um, I'm relational, mm. I'm, you know, I'm attractive. There's all these things that we want, which are again driven by those needs. But so we have that, if you like, persona mm. of having my act together. But then... I have all these things where I'm, I've done, made mistakes, that I'm stupid, that I'm ugly, that I'm angry, that I'm all these other things, which is me at my worst. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we have this, so who am I? Because that goes back to that whole yin and yang thing, you know, which is a terrible way mm. to live. Schizo. Because often what happens is there are some people in our world that know us at our worst and there are other people that we present to that only know the successful me. Yeah. So often this successful one is the one we take to work. This is the one that dates people. <laughs> this is the one that the resume is written about. Mm. This is the one that, uh, you know, applies for ministry positions or that. But the problem is, yeah, and we put a lot of work into sewing that thing up, which is kind of like the fig leaves that Adam, mm. you know, because all of a sudden he was revealed that he was naked. So, he tries, so he's got to cover that up. But the more you try to, you know, if I put, a, uh, made you, got you, I don't know, Vinny's a Humphrey Bear suit mm. and got you to run around with that on all day mm. or maybe 18 hours of the day, I tell you what, by the end of it, you'd want to take that off. Yeah. Because it's exhausting. Yeah. But then you're only left with this person. And the problem is that often, like we marry that one and we wake up with this one mm. after that. <laughs> So everybody, 
everybody, you know, sometimes the people closest to us get this person. Yeah. Well, majority, I would say majority, it says, yeah. Yeah, get this person. And neither one of those are true. Because again, that's eating from the tree of good and evil. And God, when he, he saves us from those two extremes, mm. because no longer am I living like that, I'm actually living, if you like, not from trying to have a desired impression, nor mm. trying to hide my worst. I actually get to abide and I live from the tree of life. Yeah. Which is has its roots in truth, has the sap of grace running through it, and it just produces life. That's which is Jesus' life in us. So our identity, in other words, is this. Everything that's true about Jesus is true about the believer. Yeah. And that's my identity. So when I look at him, that's who I am. Yeah. So good. So not based on my behavior, but actually yeah. based on Jesus' behavior towards us. Yeah. And so I often I ask a person, because often religion is all about what do you do? Mm. What do you do? You need to... Um, Pray so, you know, I can remember, you have to pray an hour a day. Yeah. So to be more spiritual, you probably play two hours a day yeah. or three hours a day. But the problem is what happens when you run out of... Days, hours. Hours. <laughs> yeah. So there, there must be a cap to it yeah. then. <laughs> you know, or how much scripture am I supposed to memorise? Mm. How many people am I supposed to witness to? What, how bad a disease, you know, like do I, can I heal? You know, am I only a mediocre Christian who can only pray for headache? Yeah. Or am I like a super Christian that can pray for, I don't know, heart cancer? I don't know what the yeah. worst disease is. Death, raise people from the dead mm. probably. So we have kind of this performance thing. It's huge. Which is, again, and we get our identity out of performance then or some sort of pseudo-spirituality which is actually a religious thing, mm. which doesn't bring freedom, only brings condemnation, actually takes us further away from God and brings this terrible thing, which is toxic to our identity, which is shame. Mm. And as soon as you, it's amazing when you disciple people and you really say to them, and when people, see, when people know they're loved, they'll drop their guard and they'll be willing to talk to you and reveal to you what they're ashamed of when they feel safe enough. Mm. And if you don't shame them in that and show them that, you know what, you're ashamed of, that's not even you. That's the false you. Mm. That's you without Jesus. Yeah. And start to lead them out of that. Now, that is a process, you know. And I often say to people, it's like um, I give them the example of uh, where we're winding down is that you remember the pauper and the prince, mm. that their identity was swapped around, you know. But imagine finding out that, or Oliver Twist, who thought he was an orphan, yeah, only to find out that he was actually heir to an estate and was actually a lord, not a pauper. But imagine if it was like that, that I'd been brought up in a different country, under a different culture, a different language, only to find out that that say for you, Lou, say that you all of a sudden found out that you were actually the crown queen of France. Mm. How'd you know? I know. <laughs> well, prophetically. Yeah. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. So at your yeah. disposal yeah. is a parliament, an army, mm. uh, countries all over the world, like a, a, a whole kingdom of which mm. you are to rule. But the only problem is you can't operate that that system without learning French. Yeah. So how's your French? 
Yeah, exactly. Not, not <laughs> I was just saying uh, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and often in our Christianity, we know enough of our language like a tourist. Yes. But we don't really cop it as an identity. Yeah. And to actually find out that we are in the – that what's true about Jesus is true about us and That's learning right. to speak that and operate yeah. like that is a journey. Mm. Now, I'm saying that for us to, to imagine to be able to speak a language fluently, not so that it's – and it's clunky. So even when something is said to me in English – I know that. I know what rejection feels like. I know how to respond to that. But now to hear it from a born-again point of view, when someone rejects me, and to go, oh, actually, that, only, that actually means this, and this is the way I'm meant to respond to mm. that, takes a while. Yes. So it's the same as learning, okay, I need to learn to understand what's the French word for that? Yeah. What's the French reaction for that? And to go on the journey. And they say it takes three years until yeah. you actually – and for many people who probably listen who came to our country, which we kind of speak English, we speak Australian. Yeah. When they've come out here speaking one language and slowly, 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 what's interesting is those people who might have grown up speaking Filipino or Indian or all the many beautiful languages of the world, when you speak to them now, you ask them a question, what do you think in? Do you think in your home language, mm. your native tongue, or do you speak in this new one? And you'll be amazed how many people go, well, actually, I think in English now. Yeah, wow. And that's what we got because we do have the mind mm. of Christ. We do have that, but it's learning what our new self is. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Murray. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we've got a couple of other sessions that we're going to do, but thank you for that, Murray. You're very, Enjoy very welcome. Enjoy and you. tune in next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media and follow this playlist to stay tuned on what's coming up.